from the Center for European Reform. This is the CEA podcast. It is a critical moment. If we do not act with urgency, we would then severely undermine the liberal order. Brexit means Brexit, and we're going to make a success of it. The wind is back in Europe's sails. We have now a window of opportunity, but it will not stay open forever. Welcome to this episode of the CR Podcast. My name is Christian Odendahl, and today with me is John Springford, our Deputy Director. Hi, John. Hello, Christian. How are you? Good. Um, so today we want to talk about the Recovery Fund uh, once more. Uh, the EU Recovery Fund is still not f uh, fully negotiated. Merkel and Macron yesterday met here in, in Germany to discuss, and I think the outcome was, of that discussion was, well, there are quite a few obstacles Uh, still remaining. Uh, but today we don't want to talk about the uh, political obstacles. Um, today's focus is what do we want to spend the money on? And um, spending that much money wisely um, is tricky. So John, um, what what are the sort of economic uh, issues that we, that we need to discuss, that we need to observe when discussing um, uh, how to spend the money? Well, I think to start off with, there are, there are two issues. One is, what is the recovery fund going to look like, you know, if we end up with something that looks like the commission proposal? Um, and what do we know or what, what do we think we know about the nature of the recession that we're facing? And does the recovery funds do much to tackle the nature of the recession that we're facing? Um, And the key thing to think about the recovery fund is that the spending is going to be distributed along the lines of the EU budget. So over seven years, um, it's going to be largely in the form of grants for investment in physical infrastructure and skills and so forth. Um, and so it's quite a long term uh, piece of expenditure. Most of the money is going to be dispersed uh, you know, after, the, after this crisis is over. Um, and yet, obviously, in the crisis, we're looking at the biggest recessions that you know we've had since records began, really. So there's a kind of time timing issue that we need to get through. Um, and if we think about the the, the nature of this recession, um, there are essentially three phases to it, to my mind. The first is the the sort of really hard lockdown itself, where um, essentially government is stopping economic activity so that we don't all get the virus. And the aim there is to, uh, of government policy there, is to keep firms afloat um, and to try and keep as many workers attached to firms as possible. So it's not really stimulus exactly. It's more um, just trying to keep the economy on life support. The second phase of the, uh, of the economic reaction to the virus is okay, we're going to come out of lockdown, but we haven't got a vaccine. And so we have to maintain some social distancing measures. Um, and obviously, those social distancing measures are going to be worst for the hospitality industry, so bars, restaurants, and so forth. Whereas, you know, manufacturing plants and offices can kind of start to, to get back to normal. Um, and so there, we face another tricky issue, which is... Uh, 
we may want to do a stimulus to try and get the economy going again, but we're also imposing constraints on the economy to try and reduce the spread of the virus. And so that's that's quite tricky. And then the third part of the uh, phase of the recovery is just a return to normality, say we get a vaccine and so forth. Um, and uh, the difficulty here is that uh, we may see quite a lot of precautionary saving by businesses and by households because they're scarred by the pandemic and they think, oh, God, we, you know, we ought to do more saving in case something bad comes along. Um, and so if you have an increase in the savings rate um, and that's not absorbed somewhere by, you know, businesses or by households, um, then that, that that means that the government has got to do something to absorb those savings if we're not going to end up with, um, uh, you know, a constraint on economic activity in general. And so the classic thing to do there, I guess, is that the government steps in with an investment programme. So I think that's, you know, that's a kind of overview of what the recovery fund is and, and uh, the, uh, uh, the nature of the economic trouble that we're in. If we focus for a moment on the sort of short-term um, stimulus part of this, um, we want uh, the economy to get going again at a time when there are still constraints. So that is tricky. Um, and one of the issues, one of the things that, uh, for example, the German government has implemented in its uh, recovery package or stimulus package uh, just recently is a temporary cut to the VAT rate. Um, so German businesses do not charge 19% anymore, but 16% until the end of this year. And the hope there is that this will bring spending forward from the phase where there's more normality and, and, and where, where, where we have come back to where, where we were before. Bring spending from that period in the future towards the present. Um, does that make sense? Is that a, is that a good stimulus or um, are there issues with that? I mean, I think there are some there are some issues with it. I mean, the first thing to say about it is that it's a good idea in the in the sense that you can really uh, get spending going quickly with a VAT cut, because you know the government can just say, right, from now on, VAT is not going to be nineteen percent; it's going to be sixteen percent, and and that will just mean that there will be more spending quite rapidly. Um, but the problem is that, uh, as I said some sectors are going to be really hard hit by this and some others are not. Um, and the sectors that are going to be hardest hit are um, bars, restaurants, tourism, cinemas, nightclubs, and so forth. Um, and so just a broad-based cut to VAT is not really going to help them because they're still constrained by social distancing measures. Um, the other issue is that it's not entirely clear that spending is problem the really big problem is that um, a lot of people in these who work in these sectors that are most badly affected um, are going to be unemployed um, and so what you really want to do is focus on workers helping them and also if you're going to focus on um, on spending um, issues with VAT because you think okay we think bars and restaurants are pretty safe now but people are nervous about going then maybe you do you cut VAT in those sectors but a better idea although it may take time for this to work um, and to have economic effects 
um, is for the uh, is perhaps for a cut to employer social security contributions to encourage, particularly for new hires, to encourage workers who have been shed by the contact heavy sectors of the economy uh, to be taken in by other sectors of the economy that can operate more normally and can expand their payrolls. So, um, so hiring subsidies. I mean, the, the the other thing that you that you talked about just before was. Um, well, we, 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 a lot of countries are paying uh, money for businesses to, um, to maintain their workforce. Um, um, so the hiring subsidies would sort of complement that in a way that we, we do want people to keep their jobs. But if there are other opportunities, we also do not want to restrict movement of workers from, from, from one firm to the other. So I think that's, a, that's, that's an interesting compliment. Um, but one of the goals of the uh, of the of the of the EU recovery fund, relatively explicitly, and I think in most of the recovery funds and stimulus programs at the national level too, is uh, the idea that we want to spend money on the green transition and on the digital transition. So we want basically we want to make this count. We just we don't just want to spend money to get the economy going back to the old normal. But we also uh, want want the economy to be transformed at the same time. Um, so again, some examples from the from the German recovery packages that, for example, money is given to municipalities who in Germany do most of the investment, so they can invest in, uh, for example, public transport. There are subsidies to private innovation. There's investment in charging stations for electric vehicles and mobile data networks, or even subsidies to upgrade the capital stock. Uh, for example, uh, the German package includes one billion for airlines to upgrade uh, to more fuel-efficient planes. So the, these sorts of investments, um, incentives, and investments, uh, subsidies, and, and public investment are those are those good measures? Should they be replicated elsewhere? Yeah, I think they they're sensible. Um, but going back to my three phases: lockdown, social distancing, and the return to normality. It seems like these are. Um, these are measures which could be helpful in uh, the second phase where you haven't got a vaccine and there's social distancing going on because then potentially you could take on workers that are being shed from bars and restaurants and employ them in um, infrastructure upgrading, for example. Um, and, uh, you know, in the third phase, when you've got the return to normality, because um, you might have precautionary savings, so it makes sense for the government to do, it, to do an investment programme. Um, the difficulty with them is that um, it takes quite a long time to plan uh, these um, investment projects. Um, and if you try and rush it, um, then um, two things can happen. One, the money might get wasted or two, the money just might not get spent because um, you know, the ability of local government to be able to absorb that money and, and spend it um, and to be able to find the workers, to be able to do it, who will need skills and so forth. Um, it, it, there are constraints upon that. Um, so, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a challenge for the um, for the EU to make the recovery funds um, uh, uh, cope with the fact that this is going to be a very very deep but a temporary shock. However. Um, you know, investment has been too low in Europe for quite a long time. After the last crisis, a lot of governments cut their public investments, um, which was the wrong thing to do, but that's what they did. So we've got 
um, a lot of opportunities uh, just because we haven't been doing enough public investments in general for a long time. And, and the other point, obviously, is that the climate crisis is a crisis and uh, there's a huge amount of work still to do um, to improve uh, uh, electricity generation infrastructure, um, to decarbonize the car fleet and the, and the vehicle fleet. Um, so investment in green infrastructure is obviously a priority and is and and has to be brought forward and has to be done as rapidly as possible if we're going to uh, bring greenhouse emissions to, uh, down quickly. Um, and then obviously uh, a process of digitization of the economy is going on, um, which will be hastened, will have been hastened um, by the pandemic. Um, and, you know, it's important that the EU, um, that Europe in general improves its uh, connectivity when it comes to bandwidth. Um, 5G is going to have to happen. Um, and those two goals can reinforce one another, you know, in the form of, say, uh, the Internet of Things and, and smart goods, which are able to be really energy efficient and by being connected to the Internet um, and being turned on and off being able to, to use electricity demand, uh, use electricity supply in a really energy efficient way. So those two tracks, which the European Commission has made, uh, the kind of the two aims of the recovery fund, they seem sensible to me. Here's one thing as an, as an economist, um, I, have, I have a brain that works slightly differently so, um, than, than, than those of most people. So my first instinct when I think about the transformation um, particularly the green transformation. Let's focus on the green transformation. Um, is uh, my my first focus wouldn't be on investment, um, because my my view is as an economist as well. First of all, um, we have um, a, a pollution situation where people emit too much carbon. Um, they need to be incentivized to emit less of that, and if that involves investment, well, then they will make the decision to invest. But first of all, they need to incentivize to uh, to invest to to emit less. And the way economists think about this is through a carbon price, right? And I think this is where where most economists agree. If we want to make the green transition work, we need uh, a clear, ambitious, long term carbon price. Ideally, starting now. Um, currently, we have an emissions trading system in in the in the EU that doesn't really work. Uh, the carbon price is at 20 uh, euros or 25 uh, euros a ton, which is not enough now and certainly not enough over the next decade. Um, and my, my, my first thought was about the recovery fund. Well, this isn't, isn't this the opportunity to make this happen? So if, to properly implement a carbon price while at the same time compensating those who might lose from a high carbon price because they have an old car or because they have an old fridge or because they live in a, in a not well insulated house. Um, so the idea would be, um, okay, we implement a ambitious carbon price, make it very predictable and steeply increasing over the next decade. That will make emissions a lot more costly. Uh, we give everyone a sort of 1000 euro voucher to invest in new equipment or so that they need to save save energy um, and of course we we add investment to that public in, in, in public in, uh, infrastructure uh, public transport infrastructure and so forth so that that the people can switch for example from their private car 
to um, uh, to public transport and so forth. So it seems to me that we have this huge pot of money to spend. We know the problem with imp- introducing a proper carbon price is because there's political resistance from people who would lose out. We just use the money to buy those people off and say, okay, here is a t- permanent reduction in, say, your social security contributions or your payroll taxes. Um, here's an addition, an investment voucher that you can invest in a new fridge or so. Um, and um, and at the same time, have this carbon price and make the EU recovery fund fund that uh, basically this this tax revolution, this green tax revolution. Is is that a is is that a wacky idea? Am I going too far? I, I don't think you're going too far um, at all. But as ever, with very um, clear and economically rational um, policy suggestions, the the question is always, what about the politics? Um, and, and I think in a way, the recovery fund, the commission is thinking in a similar way to you about the recovery fund, because obviously it said green and digital has, have got to be the aims. Um, and they've also said we need to have own resources in order to be able to pay all of this money that we're borrowing and then going to distribute to the member states back with. Um, and two of those suggestions are... Um, reform of the emissions trading scheme so that there are more revenues which go to the commission um, and the emissions trading scheme covers more sectors so that it generates more revenue. Um, And then the other idea is non-recycled plastics. But I think the problem is that in order to be able to get that very elegant solution that you have, you would would have to negotiate at the EU level a carbon price covering most most sectors, you would have to have some sort of system of enforcement for that in the member at the member state level, um, and I, and I wonder if it if you know the politics of that are going to be extremely difficult given where Poland is and the fact that it generates a huge amount of energy from coal and so forth. Um, how how do you think? the politics could be managed here. Yeah, so the um, inclusion of more sectors into the emissions trading system is, is part of, I think, where where um, a couple of countries are, are going into, actually, um, trying to set up their own um, semi-carbon tax, which can be then transformed into emissions trading once the EU um, can agree and EU countries can agree to expand the emissions trading. Um, so as the recovery fund is set up now, um, I'm not quite sure whether we do need the European agreement at this point on, you know, a carbon price across across the entire EU. Um, the way the recovery fund is set up now, at least from the EU Commission's proposal, is that at least for the biggest chunk of the, of the money, the recovery and resilience facility, national governments um, have to put forward reform and investment plans. And as a country, say the Netherlands, could say, okay, this is the opportunity for us to do a national carbon tax on transport, on heating and so forth. And we are using part of the money to fund the compensation. We are using part of the money to give out investment subsidies uh, to people who want to upgrade the insulation of the houses. And so, forth. so basically half, uh, you, you can, uh, even under this program, you can do this nationally and say each country um, implements a, um, a, a if they want to a national uh, green tax reform 
and the recovery fund is used for funding the compensation uh, to people, the investment vouchers, um, and at the same time fund the fund the public investment. And hopefully, if that catches on, then you have other people, other countries um, doing the same thing uh, in the future. So I think it, it's still there is an opportunity here for for countries to do this individually and 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 set a benchmark of how to do green tax reform in Europe, and hopefully then expand that to the European level. Yeah, I think um, I think you know this makes this makes a huge amount of sense, and the economist in me thinks you know this is obviously the way to go. Um, there have been a few ideas that have been kicking around, um, you know, such as if you have a carbon tax, then um, making sure that it's revenue neutral and that you distribute the proceeds uh, to um, uh, to households so that they can then make investments in order to be able to reduce their energy consumption and so forth. So if it follows that 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 very sensible um, economic logic, um, and and I. Think doing this in a decentralized way is is also a, a a very sensible way to do it. My only fear is that um, getting people to trust governments enough that um, okay, you're going to stick up taxes on me driving my car to work, um, that the compensation that they get will offset um, will allow them to make investments to offset those higher costs that they're they're receiving. That, it's 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 going to be tricky, but but I think I think the broad economic logic is clear and obvious. So um, I am very hopeful that one or two governments in Europe will try this. Um, okay, Christian, I think that's that's it for us for this week. Um, we'll be back in uh, in two weeks' time for the next CR podcast. Uh, and thanks everybody for listening. Thank you, Christian. Thanks, bye. Thank you for listening to the CER podcast. If you have any feedback for us or want to leave suggestions for a future episode, then you can find us on Twitter at CER underscore EU.